Why am I here? I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. You have part of my attention, you have the minimum amount. I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. You got a lot of problems, don't you? Oh, it's good to be back! I go you don't know? You need to all go fuck yourself. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You can't handle the truth! My therapist told me I shouldn't come back, but I'm here. Another week. Top 100, uh, young, old, pretentious, decent, I will say, to people's top 100. Kirk, with Kirk won his fourth week in a row. Will Coho have any movies or defend them all that makes uh, <laughs> make it justified? Um, because I doubt it. Uh, Boatman, you're here. Um, you learned how the show works, so you should be good to go this episode. How are you feeling overall? It's not that I learned how the show works. I just learned how to pay attention now. Mm, how are you going to do this episode? Very carefully. Hmm, okay, Jake. Um, we have learned that you have no taste, really, when it comes to movies. Um, uh, that's what I've kind of determined. You are a lot like Nazario, the one that will air in December. Like, you are the Nazario of this group. So, um how do you feel like you're going to do today? And it looks like you're frozen on my end, so maybe you're not. 100% frozen. I appreciate you. Thank you for being live. Kirk, so far you are undefeated. You are undefeated in your movies. Half because you pick movies I haven't seen, and the other half you pick the movies that everybody should have seen, or should have had on their list. That's fair. How are you doing this week? Um... This week is interesting. Um, this is kind of like my out of the box ten. I got a lot of movies today that you know people don't expect on a top one hundred in general, and probably don't definitely expect on mine. So, going to throw a few curveballs at you. We'll see how you take them. Um, Coho, um, Hamilton hasn't come out yet. I'm assuming it hasn't made your top one hundred. Is that going to be your most upsetting thing because you won't be able to? Uh, I am anxiously awaiting July 3rd for when my new favorite movie is released. Um, but uh, I think I have a good 10. Um, I did my job sooner than I thought I would this week, so I feel extra prepared. Uh, I even have last last week's yikes list this week, so hey. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a good show. Uh, Jake, you're back, hopefully, from Frozen uh, Space. Uh, no, you're spinning again. That was the Criterion logo. This is yeah. Um, you're you're losing to the internet. You're kind of like the Criterion Collection. Um, uh, so sick. How the show works? Like every week, everybody brings in the top 100. Uh, so Bowman, you're gonna take kick it off. Okay, my 70 is Moneyball. Yikes. Okay, my 69. Coho, get ready. La La Land. Yikes. Big fucking yikes. And my 68 is a yikes from earlier Midnight in Paris. Okay, so that's what we'll talk about. Uh, I know Jake had it, so uh, we'll probably have to wait for him to talk about it, but I'll start talking right now. 
Uh, this is a super fun time travel comedy. Owen Wilson is super charming in it. I love when we go back and we see all the different personalities from the 30s. You get to see uh, Adrian Brody play Salvador Dali. Corey Stoll plays Ernest Hemingway. Tom Hiddleston plays F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like, there's a lot of just fun. I really like the aesthetic, the style of this movie. Um, I, I love the cast. I think it's a super fun, charming film, and I really enjoy it. You're muted. What was your 70? My 70 was Moneyball. And I yiked. And it was yiked. Okay. Yikes, fair. Yikes. Okay. I, I know my son came in. I just got oh, lost. Okay. 68 have not seen. I, I've, I've seen this streaming somewhere recently, I believe. Or somebody has it. I just haven't seen it yet. So I don't have much to say. I don't, I'm not the biggest Owen Wilson fan. So I don't know how I'll feel about it. But hopefully he's not Owen Wilson as much in this one. So... Everybody else on mid. Oh, never mind. You don't get to say anything. Not a not a word. How's not the show work? Not a word. <laughs> well, we did last <laughs> Monday where we did the pre-report. Everybody and the pre-report, everyone got uh, to talk in the bottom. Uh, day, so I'm messing up my own rules. Um, so Jake is not here right now. So Jake will talk when he comes back, but we'll go back to the normal order when he returns. But Kirk, you're going to go next. Coho, try to keep track on if Jake has something to on be it. next. Okay. Okay. Probably not. Uh, my number seventy is a Christmas story. Beautiful. My number my number sixty nine is Jaws. Yikes. And my number sixty eight is Made. Okay. Uh, number seventy. You guys know I'm not big on nostalgia, but I get one freebie here. Uh, I love a Christmas story. I think this movie just perfectly captures that childhood magic of what Christmas is all about. And it kind of respects it and doesn't like treat it as something stupid and dumb that, you know, belongs in the past. It treats it as something that's real and meaningful. We'll still be in like, kind of like an adult movie with adult sensibilities. Um, Ralphie, Peter Billy is so great in this, you know, the, all the child actors in his greatness and a movie like this, the, uh, you know, could collapse under the weight of bad childhood performances, but they're all good. Um, I love the relationship with the dad. That's my favorite part of this movie. And it's become that more as I've gotten older and become a dad. I just love the fact that I'm going to spoil Christmas story. You had 30 chances to watch it last Christmas. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's, I love the fact that the dad, you know, it, the whole movie, he's like this otherworldly being that they are afraid of and don't know anything about. And he's kind of just there on the periphery. But in the end, it was dad who knew, who paid attention, who got him what he wanted. Uh, so this movie has a very special place in my heart. And I know everybody's going to be like, oh, this movie's on all the time, blah, blah, blah. That's not the movie's fault. It's still a good movie. Uh, my, and then uh, number 69 got yikes. Uh, my number 68 is made. This is John Favreau's uh, directorial debut. It's his follow-up to Swingers, uh, another movie we may be talking about later. Um, Vince Vaughn and John Favreau at this stage in their careers are just perfect, uh, perfect comedy team, uh, just so dead on. Uh, it's a great movie about uh, small-time crooks who think they're much bigger than they are, and it really uh, does a really cool job of kind of like marrying what they think they are versus what's really going on in the real world and, you know, kind of how small they are. Uh, Peter Falk is great, and it is the mob boss, and it's just a really funny, fun movie. Um, yes, Christmas Story, um, one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. Um, 
And this one this year hit way different when I watched it than before because I am a dad now. So, like, those had a way different effect. Uh, I hate the excuse, it's on so much. You don't have to watch it that many times. Yeah. You could watch it the once and then turn off TBS or TNT or wherever it plays in your uh, state or country. Um, I think the relationship between, like, the scene with the lug nuts will always be one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Um, when I didn't say, I didn't say fudge. I said it. I said the four letter word. Um, I think it's brilliant. I think it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's not my all time favorite, but I like, I respect it at 70 and made. I have not seen um, Jake. We're going to go back to you because your internet. Um, I don't know how you're going to do this week. And I really don't care at this point of the show. So just tell me where you're 70 through 68. It's, Never happened before, but I'm glad that it worked back. Um, so my number 70 is Traffic. Okay. My number 69 is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. My number 68 is Mummy. And my... Mummy. That's how the show works. That's not how the show works at all. 70 through 68. 70 through 68. Oh, I forgot. To be fair, my internet just crashed and I had to look outside. That's what's happening. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's the excuse. Um, all right. So number 70 is Traffic. Steven Soderbergh's film from 2000. It won in the Best Director Oscar at the Academy Awards. Uh, double nominations that year, which is pretty incredible. Um, I really love this film. I'm not really a big fan of like the drug wars and especially what was going on in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And this is just like a really big multi-layered interconnected storylines, four storylines focusing on kind of like different layers of the drug war, looking at the proprietors and the people who enforced and were trying to take down the uh, drug cartels and then the users of drugs. I'm looking at specifically Michael Douglas's character and his daughter and Soderbergh is just such a unique filmmaker and I really love the way he's able to shoot each of the storylines, each with its own tinted um, it's his own um, color, blue and orange, and it kind of came a uh, cliche later on with um, drug cartel movies to shoot Mexico in the orange tungsten light, but um, it really creates this multi-layered world of just this whole storyline about drugs, and I really love Don Cheadle and Louise Guzman's storyline. I think that's a really fun, interesting one that takes some twists. Next is 6-9 uh, Crouching uh, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, wait, sorry. Not yet. I don't have to talk about it. I've totally forgot. <clears throat> you talk about it now, and then you talk yeah. about 68. Yeah. I, you know, just my brain is not working. He's really good at movie trivia, folks. Really good at movie trivia. And shit at everything else. Uh, <laughs> Tiger, Dragon. Uh, this is um, also from 2000, Ang Lee film. Uh, follow, follow up to, I can't remember what it was, Ride Like the Devil was a western from like earlier. Um, this is a Wuxia epic tale of romance and some incredible action sequences. It's about the Jade Sword. Everyone wants a sword. Um, uh, Charyon Fat is incredible as the master. I think Ziyu Zhang, I'm trying to see if I can pronounce her name, and Michelle Yeoh are really great in this movie. And there's just a lot, it's such a crazy story that somehow was able to transcend over into Western culture. And I really love the action sequences. I think I just, and the cinematography specifically, I think it's a one of the most gorgeous looking films of the 2000s. And the specific fight between Michelle and Ziyu is 
incredible the way she's able to use multi uh, different type of weapons against just the one jade sword and the fact that she's able to overpower her in the end is i think really cool it's a, if you really want to get into that sort of stuff it's definitely like a good gateway into the wuxia films of china um yeah i think it's absolutely up there as one of the best ones of the 2000s and my number 68 is the uh french canadian film mommy directed by xavier dolan uh, he's one of my favorite upcoming directors of the 2010s. Uh, his most recent film ha hasn't even really got a, a release at all, The Death and Life of John F. Donovan. Um, this film's about uh, a mom taking care of her uh, son who has ADHD and the trials and tribulations that kind of go with um, trying to raise him. He's kind of a mess. He's uh, it's very hard to take, uh, take control of, and it explores the relationship between both of them and their neighbor who's also a teacher and trying to and kind of the connection that all three kind of gain during this time. Uh, the film is shot in a one by one aspect ratio. It's very, it's much like the lighthouse in that aspect ratio. And there are a couple of scenes in which the ratio changes. I don't want to spoil specific moments, but the soundtrack also really captures like the, the time period. The, the film uses the song Wonderwall in an emotional experience with the aspect ratio change. And I really just, relate to like all three characters and what they're going through it's such a beautiful film and if you're a mom and you want to see something different i think that's definitely like a film that really like i tried i've tried to make my mom watch and she won't she won't take it but um yeah it's a really beautiful film and it's xavier dolan's best film you would never guess that was jake's honorable mentions of this uh, episode i can just imagine when we get to one when he goes on for 12 years um but i will say your bottom two, Traffic and Crouching Tiger, one-time watches for me. I've seen them once. I don't remember a ton, and I don't ever really go back to them. Not saying they're bad movies. I won't say that. I just haven't went back to it. I think I watched Crouching Tiger like when I was in high school, and then Traffic I've seen but didn't stick that much. So not a bad one. And Mommy, I'll surprise everybody. I have not seen Mommy. Um you might like mommy. I, I know. I just feel awkward putting in a movie called Mommy. It just kind of weirds me out. But I, I'll give it a shot maybe one day. Um, Coho, bring us back to Earth. Tell us some movies that we've all seen and just why are they on this list. And now for something completely different. My number 70 is Bad Times of the El Royale. Uh, my number 69 is most certainly going to be a Yikes. It's Steve Jobs. Yikes. There it is. And my 68 is In Bruges. Uh... Okay, I thought Jake might actually have that one. All right, so my number 70, Bad Times of the El Royale, um, was one that I was really kind of anticipating. Whenever um, the ne the new year of movies comes out, I look at, like, what's coming out. Uh, and this was one when I got to 2018 that, like, checked a lot of my boxes. It was the same thing when I saw Knives Out coming out. Ensemble, cast with a lot of people that I liked, uh, with a writer slash director who I have followed for a while and liked um, in a sort of murder mystery style thing. It's not really a murder mystery, but, like, the whole intrigue of coming to this place, a bunch of strangers, and they all get stuck there and they learn about each other's secrets. Um, I think Chris Hemsworth's phenomenal in his little small part. Um, I love Jeff Bridges in this movie. I think it's one of his best performances of the decade. Cynthia Erivo is like the standout to me. I think she's the best performance in the movie. Uh, she gets a lot to do and she's really good. Dakota Johnson. Uh, I think this is the part where people were like, okay, she could actually probably act after the 50 shades movies. Um, but yeah, it's a great script and a really fun time. Um, my 68 in Bruges is my favorite Martin McDonough movie. Um, 
I think it's his best script. Uh, I love the interplay between Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. I think they're hilarious and have a great sort of uh, great chemistry between the two uh, and this sort of um, paternal, like trying to look out for him sort of way, but knowing that it's not going to work out for him. Um, and Ray Fiennes is hilarious in his, it's, it's a sizable role, but it's pretty limited in terms of actual screen time. Um, it's a great movie. Uh, I love it a lot. So. Bad times. Seen it once. Really enjoyed it the one time I watched it. Um, I didn't like absolutely. Listen, cat, give me a shot. Like, give me just a shot. The cat always shows up when I start talking. Damn. Um, thought it was good. Man, it jumped really high into seventies. Like that's pretty high. Um, yeah, but I love it's it. a coho list, so that makes sense. Um, in Bruges, uh, this is a movie I need to watch. I've been told a lot that I would like this movie. Um, it's on HBO uh, Max. It is uh, going to be watched. It's on two separate 100. So, um, yeah, uh, I will not give you a strike against it because I'm pretty sure I'll like it. So we'll see. Embers is such a Cody movie. It is Who texts that? That's that Bo- is Boatman. Got it. Cool. Um, you need to start but- signing your comments because we're both on the same account. Okay. I'll start commenting too. We'll all just confuse the entire world. Um, okay, Boatman, do you know okay. how this part of the show works? Yes, I do. My 67. 67- pay attention. Go ahead. My, my 67 is the Blues Brothers. Oh, I hate Illinois Nazis. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I love comedies. And one of my favorite types of comedy is the epic comedy, which is a comedy on a on a very grand, large scale, like in the true sense of the, the classic word epic, like for like David Lean film, but for the equivalent of comedies. And that's what I love about this movie is how big it feels. I love the car chase at the end of this movie and how much carnage. None of that was CGI. They actually had to destroy those cars. And it's hilarious the way that they set it up. Um, All the jokes really land. The music scenes are super fun. Uh, Rawhide and uh, Everybody Needs Somebody are probably my two favorites in uh, the movie. And I just love the dynamic between Jake and Elwood Blues. I think uh, the the way they work off each other is really well. And you can tell that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi are friends. Um, I could just use my thoughts on this film by reading Kirk's letterbox, but I'll let him talk about it. Um, I think this movie is great. I think this movie is great. Uh, uh, this is one of my favorite comedies. Uh, this has Ray Charles shooting a gun. Uh, some kids trying to steal. This has Aretha Franklin with Think. I think the overall movie is brilliant. I absolutely. This is one of. I don't know if it's like the scale, but I, I think, Kirk does say something later. I think it drags a little, like goes on a little too long. But overall, I think the movie is great. Sixty seven is a fine place for it. Everybody on Blues Brothers, and did you almost have Blues Brothers? Blues Brothers two thousands. I actually haven't seen any of the Bruce Brothers movies. I'll just watch one. That's fine. I haven't seen the Blues Brothers. All right, uh, Kirk. Yeah, this movie would be brilliant if it was about forty-five minutes shorter. Um, you said thirty. Don't everything lie. Boatman says is good about it. I think is what's wrong with this movie. Just there's just way too much going on. I think when you let Dan Aykroyd write a script and you rein him in, you get Ghostbusters. When you just let him do whatever he wants and whatever is out his crazy. Oops. Crap. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. 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 Okay. Just All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my yeah, my camera went. Um, yeah. When uh, whenever uh you let him just off the chain, you get blues brothers. There's just too much going on. It's too busy. You cut out that entire Nazi subplot. It doesn't affect the movie at all. 
Uh, that Aretha Franklin scene is one of the biggest dumpster fires I've ever seen in a movie. It just such a nightmare to watch. It was so terribly edited, and there's a lot of that in the movie. Um, so it's good. It's not great. It could be great. And um, yeah, it just it, it, there's just it, there's just too much. It's just too too much singing. Too much whatever they wanted to do. It's uh yeah, there's too much problems with it. But it's not a horrible movie. Um, your cat probably hit it. I don't blame him. Um, okay. Uh, Bowman, take us to your next one. Okay. Uh, I'm a little taken aback by what Kirk said about the Aretha Franklin scene, but uh, my 66 is The Incredibles. This is where it stops, I think. Because uh, we both had it last week. What did, did, I, did I say it already? Was it on we both said it last week, week, I think. It, yeah, last week. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go. Um, I think this is one of the best superhero movies in general. Uh, I love the dynamic between the family. I love movies about families, and I think that they this movie really captures the family dynamic. Just the dinner table scene alone is one of my favorites of Pixar. Um, and I, I love Syndrome as the villain in this because it's such a unique villain origin story, and I absolutely love it. And who doesn't love Edna Mode? No kicks. Uh, I absolutely love Incredibles. Uh, it was my 70s. Uh, it was my 70. It was my 78. My 72. I was going to say 72. Right, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, you can really tell Brad Bird like grew up loving superheroes and like studying the archetypes within them. And like, this is very much a homage or um, like kind of that homage to like what superheroes are and classic superhero stories are while also a deconstruction of what it means uh, to be one and tells a really human story in the middle of these very superhuman characters. Um, I think it, it works really well. I think it's very creative. Uh, I love every single character and Nemode is one of the best side characters uh, in Pixar. I love her. The no cape scene is one of the best. Um, yeah, it's the best Fantastic Four movie we've ever gotten. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, this is this is my seventy-eight. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of the best superhero movies, just constructed superhero movies of all time. Um, what I love about it is how everybody's powers matter, uh, not just in the story, but also in the fight. You know, most you know MCU movies or other superhero movies, everybody has all these different unique powers, but in the third act, everybody's just punching, and nobody's powers really matter. Uh, in this uh, in this story, everybody's powers matter. Like they all are used creatively, but they also reflect the characters. You know, the mom's stretched in all different directions. The dad's taking the world on soldiers. Soldiers. The teenage girl is you know shy. Uh, so it just really fits those character archetypes as well. Uh, this is you know the first time that Pixar did a feature length uh, movie featuring all humans. So they had a, a a whole new slew of animation for that, and you really see the uh, the creativity jump in this one. I think this is really when they really started to master uh, the craft of what they're doing. Uh, so yeah, this is my favorite Pixar, and you know one of my, definitely one of my favorite superhero movies. No, oh, my dear, you've gotten fat. What? Nothing. Come in. Come in. Um, I think this movie is brilliant. Um, I'm with you. The dinner table scene, like when he, the dad's just trying to cling to the powers still, and it was like. Did you? How fast were you going? Blah blah. blah. It's like and just saws through the plate. Um, it just tells a family dynamic, and like they they build up the villain perfectly in this movie. Like they're still like the mindless robots that like are some of the parts, but like Syndrome as a character and 
how close this is for adults and kids. Like I remember I watched it with my kids recently and they were laughing at stuff, but then like the whole BS scene where it's like, I put BS on my chest. But I figured that'd be a big mistake. Um, those parts are just great to me. I think it's one of the best. I It's in my top five of Pixar. I think it's, uh, it's so rewatchable. Jake, why do you hate fun? Um, I just don't really like this movie all that much. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, I'm putting it on the Kirk hat right now. Um, I'm just not a big fan. It just doesn't really like connect with me. I like superhero films, but this one, even though when I was a kid, it was like, I watched it a lot, but I just never really got into it. Um, it's not Brad Bird's best. It's not top three superhero films other Jake. Um, uh, and Brad Bird's best film, that comes later. I'm recasting the the second panel that's on my show. Um, I got a top 50 list they want to send me this week. They can't. Um, okay. Uh, go ahead, uh, Bowman. You're so far You're so far winning the week, so let's see how, if you can keep it going. Okay. I don't know how you feel about this movie, so I might have just lost. <laughs> um, my, my 65 is, I think, a really well-structured crime film, Memento. Big fucking yikes. Okay. You have uh, in the correct location, that's fine. Okay. Damn, but I'm fucked. And my, my 64, <laughs> this might be where I lose. Inside out. Okay. Okay. I know Cody doesn't enjoy this movie. I really, I, I thought he didn't. Maybe I'm wrong. That's Coho, but we'll, oh. we'll get there in a second. Never mind then. I really enjoy this movie. I've watched it a lot. Uh, I think this is some of the most like intellectual Pixar has gotten in the sense of the discussion of emotions in this, I think is, is really interesting. And I think this is something, you know, it, it's a, the idea that kind of sadness is something to be admired. I think it's something that just doesn't really get talked a lot, especially in children's media. And I think this is like super important, but I also think the comedy works really well uh, because it understands the, the the kind of ways that we all think. And I think it's it's really unique. I like the little metaphors. Like, there's a lot of smart things going on. Like, uh, with uh, when they go into like the room, and it's like, oh, now we're becoming you know two dimensional. And I'll, I, there's a lot of like really interesting psychological comedy going on here that I like. Um, and uh, I love the voice cast, Amy Poehler, Phil Smith, Luke Black. Uh, it's a, I really like this movie. Um, okay, so no, I don't hate Inside Out. I think Inside Out higher than, than The Incredibles is a little bit of a hot take. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the message, especially for a dad, I think it's important to teach your kids like emotions and stuff. Because I think like the generations and before or whatever, we were allowed to keep a lot in or told to keep a lot in. I think Inside Out tells you like, you know, it's okay to have those sad moments. Um, uh, so, no, I really do. I don't think it has as much rewatchability as it does the first initial watch. Like the first initial watch, it hits you really hard because when Riley has that breaking point, like she's trying to hold strong for her parents because she knows they moved cross country because they had to and blah 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 and then she finally says i miss home and you see those break 
and Joy finally realizes that she has to include sadness in the picture because now those past memories are sad to her as well as joyous because of that. I think it's a beautiful step storytelling. Um, but Coho believes it's one of the most overrated movies um, inside out, but that's not me. I think, I think it's, I think the overall message is beautiful, but the rewatch is what hurts it on this one. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one that I'm saving for my kids for later till they're older because I think that it's if they show them too early, it's a fun movie instead of the important lessons of emotions for me. Uh, what does everybody else think about Inside Out? I'm saving Coho for the last. Okay, if you want to say this. Um, I, I like this movie. I agree with you. I think it's there is a, a drop off on the rewatchability. Uh, the message is great. I think one of the issues with it is the the voice casting is on paper sounds really good, but it's so incredibly on the nose. It's just like they went with like the first person. Like, hey, who's anger? Lewis Black. He's definitely who's disgust. Oh, that girl from the office. Who's sadness? Oh, that other lady from the office. Like it's it's so and they're so just playing their uh, you know their standard characters. You know all of them. Uh, Bill Hader is really the only one that I think does anything original with his character. Um, but it's good. I mean, it's personal for me. I, I went and saw this with my daughter when she was the same age as Riley was in the movie. Uh, so it was kind of like, you know, hard to sit through some of it. Um, but yeah, it's good. Um, but I don't think it's one of Pixar's greatest. Jake. Um, I think this movie's okay. I, I must be anti Pixar apparently because. Outside of like three or four, I'm not really a big fan of Pixar and what they do. I think what they, a lot of what they do is very manipulative and emotions, especially. Um, and this one's about emotions, so what what do I know? But um, I just yeah, I just don't really care. This film is a really simplified version for kids, and I just don't really like get that. And I also think that certain sequences are just throwaway stuff from other Pixar films and I don't really care for Bing Bong. He's he's fine, but he's not like the super important character. I don't really care. Um I do like the ending though. I really do like how sadness is something that is part of us, is something that we can exp- that we should express in certain uh uh certain times and I I like that but other than that it's just yeah. You gotta love uh, Jake talking about manipulative of emotions, and he literally has the Truman Show on his list a couple spots lower. Um, okay, uh, I like I like the Truman Show, but movies are meant to manipulate your emotions. If you think they're otherwise, you don't know what movies are. Anyway, uh, so Kirk actually said a lot of my points that I would say is I think it it thinks it's a lot smarter than it is. Um, I think it's good. Uh, I don't think it's the best Pixar movie ever made. I think there's a lot of parts of it that I think are good ideas. I think it's a half-baked idea that uh, they didn't take the full step and kind of just decided to lean into basic Pixar uh, sort of fallback story of we're going to fall back into the Toy Story formula and coast off of that once we get to the second act, after we use a really solid first act of setup. I like Bing Bong a lot. I think that character is actually pretty interesting. Um, outside of that, I just, I don't, I thought it was good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it the greatest thing Pixar's ever made. I wouldn't put it in my top 10, uh, but. Okay. Uh, Jake. All right. I know how the show works now. I figured it out. I think. Um, my number 67 
is I think this is my first Danny Boyle film, but it is Sunshine. So Sunshine, it's I think most people kind of know what this film's about. It's about people going to restart the sun. It's like a car, but it's in space. Um, I I am a, a humongous stand for Danny Boyle. I'm a big fan of his visual style and the way he's able to tell stories. And this is just one of his most stylistic films as far as just being able to tell the story. And I think the fact that he's ever set in space, and I mean, he hasn't made a sci-fi film before then, and he really takes advantage of the special effects, cinematography, and he really just captures the beauty of the sun. And the sun is kind of a motif in the movie. It's viewed as a religious symbol for certain characters, one specifically. Um, a lot of people don't really like the, the turn that it takes going into the third act. Uh, the genre kind of changes and the tone of it all. But that just, I'm okay with that because it just adds tension to the movie. And it's also kind of adds to the theme of the movie and how the sun is a religious symbol for a certain character. And I just, it's such a thrill ride from beginning to end. I also think the music by John Murphy is also incredible. There's this one piece of music that has been used in so many trailers and so many other movies, Kick-Ass specifically. And I think the first season of Walking Dead um, just type in Sunshine uh, trailer music and you'll probably find it in the first one. Uh, yeah, I think this film is incredible. And all the casts are, are brilliant. Uh, I have not seen Sunshine. Uh, honestly, I didn't even know what this film was. Uh, I've never heard of it. So, uh, sure, I'll give you a, a pass on that. Uh, it sounds, honestly, you're not the best at selling things. Um, but... I'll go check it out. Maybe. Everybody else on Sunshine. Never my my fa I've never seen it either, but my favorite thing about Sunshine is that I knew it was one of Jake's favorite movies, yet somehow it was not concept that put this in the round three uh, study session round uh, I, when they played second reel. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> um. I've seen Sunshine. I like it. It's got a really solid cast, really strong cast in this movie. Um, I thought it was good. I didn't necessarily think it was great. It kind of, you know, it was one of those like, you know, stuck in space or stuck on the submarine or whatever kind of movies. Um, so it kind of had hit a lot of those same beats for me. Uh, maybe I need to go back and watch it from the perspective Jake did because he seemed to get a lot more out of it. Uh, than, so maybe I would too on a rewatch. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good movie. Coho, have you seen it? No, I already said I haven't seen it. Okay, I didn't hear you. Yep, so, uh, number 66. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so, number 66. In the, um, we're going to follow the tribute of um, Shoot 'em Up and the Rundown. <laughs> this is uh, this is one of my favorite comedies. This is one of the best um, parodies. I don't even know how to describe this movie, but it is from the 2000s. It is Kung Pao. Enter the fist. Oh, fucking god. Um, <laughs> uh, this film is amazing. Um, <laughs> this film's about the main character, uh, played by the writer, director, and star of the movie, Steve Odenkirk, who is most famous for creating the show Jimmy Neutron and the movie, and the other show Planet Sheen and the movie Barnyard. He's a multi-talented uh, filmmaker. Yeah, he plays the character called the Chosen One, and his uh, his journey to defeat the immortal, the uh, evil Betty, which decides to change his name thirty minutes into the movie. This is a, a celebration of Asian uh, martial arts films, 
uh, Steve Odenkirk took another movie and reshot uh, other scenes and made a movie around that other movie. He dubbed every character by one. That one character is named Wall. She has one boob. And she has spiritual <laughs> information to give to the chosen one. The jokes in this movie are incredible. There are camera movements, joke, there are camera jokes through zoom ins, there are jokes, visual gags, there are references to other movies, specifically The Matrix, in which the main character dodges milk being shot at him by a cow. And it is absolutely funny. There's so many editing jokes in this movie, and I just think this movie is so good that everyone should check it out because I really love it. Like You're talking <laughs> way too much time for a shit movie like this. Good lord. You've lost all credibility as a human being. I'll put mommy. Pixar, you emotional piece of shit that tried to make me feel something. Blah, blah, blah. Next, Kung Pao? Anybody? You got Kung Pao? No. Like, gosh. Like, you lost this episode by a mile. I don't even care what your rest of your episodes are. Like, you lose. You put Kung Pao at 66 and called Incredibles. This not even close. Not even yeah. close. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, stand by that. There's so much better filmmaking. Did, did I make, like, a rule? Did I make a rule for you? Like, your 60, like, the middle, like, your 67, 66 had to be the dipshit, like, action comedy movies that, that people, that a guy in high school liked? Like this guy named Brad that sat behind me in history class, and I was like, "You, you see this movie? You see Kung Pao?" Hey, Brad's a good Shut guy. Up. You're you're Brad. You are Brad right now, and I want to punch Brad in the face. So congratulations, <laughs> Jake is in my faction, and you are now Brad. Uh, nice. Anybody else on Kung Pao? Watch Kirk say, "Well, I'm saying why you're dissing. This is one of the greatest movies of all time." No, I'm not. I'll I'll say say I have not seen Kung Pao, but what Jake just described is literally cultural appropriation. The movie, <laughs> <laughs> literally, <took laughs> a white guy literally took a Chinese, a an Asian movie, and just reshot what he wanted to and made it his own. That is like basically like a crime against humanity, I think. Um, so I don't know how interested I am at this point, but it's uh, hey, Jake, no, you do you, buddy. It's cultural appropriation. The movie is the quote of the episode. You can't change my mind. I haven't seen the shit fire. I just want to point out that Jake a plus, Jake gave us a plus to this movie. It's an early 2000s comedy that references The Matrix. So rare. Yeah, right? So rare. <laughs> Jake, see if you can recover yourself from 65. I stand by my statement there. This we is, know. Uh, Go uh, watch. Did you watch it this week? I'm going to watch it tomorrow, probably. Um, get ready. No, you're not. Uh, I'm the next, on the far end of Kung Pao, I'm going with my 65, uh, which is 2001, A Space Odyssey. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, yeah, this is not Kung Pao. Um, Did this anybody is, else have 2001? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, I mean, what, what hasn't been said? This is one of Kubrick's masterpieces. Uh, 2001, Space Epic, Monolith, Stargate, HAL 9000. Um, yeah, this is one about search for existence, and um, I really resonate with the themes of this movie, and I think it's a beautifully captured film about what space looks like, especially at the time of 68, 
which we hadn't seen really like the look of space like this. And I really love the metaphysical themes that's going on. Um, by the way, I don't know. Oh, boo, Jake. Like, Spence is... <laughs> I don't understand. It. Like, you are below Jake in takes in this community. I'm sorry. I don't mean... Spence, you are, like, the bottom of the don't takes in this that. community. <laughs> and, like, most of the time we think you're doing it for fun. No, you're real, and it's sad. Um, 2001 Space Odyssey, I blame this show. I blame this show right here. Um, I did not save it from what I did with Paz of Glory. I didn't watch Paths of Glory for War. I watched Paths of Glory on my own time, not related to the subject, and I enjoyed it. I watched this before space movies, and I thought it was meh. Um, so I, I I think it's fine. I, I get it. I get that it's a lot of love for it. I'm just not the biggest Kubrick fan. I, uh, he has definitely ones that I'm, like, top-notch. This is one I just didn't get into. One, because this community's kind of ruined it. I've heard a lot of descriptions of it. I knew what to expect going in. I've seen clips of this. I've seen breakdowns. Like I've when you think of when you hear about this movie, it's been talked to death, basically. Now maybe not just in this community, but in the film community. It's one of considered one of the top probably two hundred films of all time. So that's probably why I saw it way too late or I saw, I wish I saw it before I joined the community. Um, so it wouldn't make mine. I respected it at 65 one. I would have been like, yikes, but you know, give you, I'm just surprised that Kung Pao and 2001 were this close to fighting for the 65 spot. So that's interesting. Um, everybody else on 2001. This is one of those movies that I respect. I think it's incredible on a technical level. I don't really enjoy watching it. I think the movie picks up once we actually get to like Hal 9000. But before that, this movie's a lot of, wow, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I get why it does that, but I don't really enjoy that. Um, so I, again, I respect it, but I don't really like watching it. Yeah, there's a lot of great things in this movie, you know, a lot of visual things. And like Boatman said, once it gets to like the story, like when they're on the ship and with Hale and everything, um, that stuff's really great. Um, I, as, as great as like the visuals and the music are, I'd love to see the cut of this movie where they just let us assume all the ships land and take off okay and don't make it like a 10 minute ballet of, you know, music and stuff. Um, not that that's not worth seeing. Like I said, it's great. But I think like Boatman's saying, um, there are sometimes when I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, okay, you know, let's just next thing. Um, but I did, like you guys said, I, I respect the pick. Um, it's probably just, you know, maybe my top 150, 200, just because of all the things it does great, uh, make up for those slower parts that I enjoy as much. Um, but no, I mean, it definitely belongs to the top 100 list. All right. Um, my 65. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, my 64 is uh, my first Michael Haneke film. It is Caché, also known as Hidden in English. Um, this is, a, I guess, a thriller from 2005. It's about a couple that's being terrorized by videotapes of their house. They keep being left at the door. They have no idea who's filming them. They have no idea what's going on. The videotape goes for a couple of hours of just a shot of their house. They don't know what's going on. And it kind of leads more into 
the husband's side, uh, his past and uh, a mistake he made during his youth uh, being on his family's farm with one of the uh, his adopted brother. And it's a very slow paced film that's definitely not for Cody. Um, I really love Michael Haneke. He's able to create a lot of tension with nothing. Um, his framing and composition of shots just create this eerie sense of dread. And there's a specific scene later on in this movie that is just, he hates gratuitous violence. He hates the, the, the exploit, exploitation aspect of it. That's why he's not a big fan of Tarantino um, and the way he uses violence. This is real violence in cachet. There's a specific scene in the end that is just so, like it's tough to watch because it's very, it feels real. The way it's shot, the way it looks is real. And it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's almost depressing, but it's, yeah, it's very powerful. There's a, a similar film to this that maybe people have seen called The Gift with um, the Joel Edgerton film uh, directed by Bateman, Jason, uh, starring Jason Bateman. Um, it's kind of similar, but it's a very Americanized version. So if you kind of like that and you want to see something kind of similar, but also a lot more yeah, mature, I would say give this one a shot. Um, my client uses it as a strength. I do not watch his films, so uh, I have not seen it. So I'm not saying it's bad, just haven't seen it. Uh, Koho's gone. I don't know where Koho I'm, is. I am, I am here, uh, and I have not seen this movie. Okay. I've This one I've actually been wanting to watch. Um, Jake's never used Haneke as a strength against me, so I haven't had to watch it yet, so I'm waiting for when that day comes to finally watch it. Uh, but I think uh, I, I think I actually would like this one. Kirk. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, what are you doing, Kirk? Get, get, <laughs> Sorry. Get cinema. Jeez. Okay. Um, Kirk. I gotta check Kung Pao off the list first. Um, my number 67 is Rope. Uh, this is this is a movie. Uh, I really like the claustrophobic aspect of it. I'm a big fan of movies that take place in one location. Um, this is designed to look like it's all one shot you know there's camera tricks and stuff so it's not actually um but it it, it gives you the illusion of one continuous shot throughout the entire movie it takes place in one apartment um you know there's a murder off screen at the beginning of the movie and uh the basically the two it's based on the uh what's the the murder from compulsion i forget the guy's names um but it's the, it's a real life murder where these guys you know murdered somebody uh, just to see if they get away with it. It was like they're testing themselves um, and to prove they can get away with it more uh, more accurately. So uh, they hide the body uh, in this apartment where they're having a party, inviting everybody over. Um, and it's just kind of like a cat and mouse game on a very small scale. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's in it. He plays a really great character. Uh, he's an intellectual. And the killers get their idea of... Uh, doing this crime from his ideas and this character kind of has to come to terms with the idea the fact that his you know his ideas have consequences um and that's really um enjoyable to watch and really really uh, brings out a great performance and is a great story uh so this is one of my favorite hitchcocks i really like it i'm i'm not a hitchcock fan um i know uh, just <gasps> awful um i started this year with going to rewatch hitchcock I got to North by Northwest. I watched that one. I liked it. I was like, you know, I might just save it there instead of getting roasted by a bunch of my friends in this community. Um, Rope is the one I've seen on a few of the people's voodoo's I own or have, and um, it looks 
interesting, but again, it's not one of the Hitchcocks I've seen before, so I may check it out. Um, everybody else on rope. Go to me last. Um, I haven't seen it. I really want to. I'm a big fan of one take type of movie, as you'll find out later. But yeah. And Coho hasn't seen it. Uh, so I think. Uh, no, I have not. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that uh, I, I really like this one. This was like hovering in like my 120s. Uh, I, I really like this one. Um, it, it's a little oversimplified compared to some of Hitchcock's other work, but I still really enjoy it. Um, I, I like the I like the one take style of it. Hitchcock uh, said in hindsight he wished he hadn't made it one take, and I kind of disagree. I think this story was perfect for the one take aspect of it. I wish the characters were a little bit more developed, but I think the actual tension uh, is brilliant in this movie. Uh, yeah. Okay. Kirk, what's your next one? All right. My number 66 is Troll Hunter. Oh. Um, Troll Hunter is a Norwegian found footage film. It's a bunch uh, about a bunch or uh, group of uh, college students who come across a uh, man who's secretly hunting trolls for the uh, Norwegian government. And it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's got a little bit of Blair Witch. It's got a little bit of Ghostbusters. It's got a little bit of Men in Black. And it's done with a very, like I said, it's a found footage style with like this very dry wit and sense of humor. Uh, the creature design is fantastic. There's really just cool creatures, you know, scenes of them uh, taking out these uh trolls uh some of them are serious some of them are funny uh just really uh cool situations um and it really plays a lot like on norwegian norwegian folklore uh the you know the characters are based on you know old like f uh folk art from from norway uh so it's just a really really fun movie i just rewatched this last week uh and it's it's just really cool it's not a movie a lot of movies you see about you see a lot of found footage movies uh but with this you know coming from a you know different country different culture uh definitely puts a different spin on it um, I was going to actually watch this movie once, but then I found out it's found footage, and that is literally one of the worst things that you can put in your... You can put uh, not a Cody movie and then found footage right next to it, and that will literally make me go crazy. I think it's one of the worst... I don't understand why Shaky Cam ever became a thing. Um, not saying I won't check it out, because I think like Cloverfield, I think certain movies like that I enjoy, but it's very rare. So that's why I've not seen this one yet. Uh, as soon as you started to describe, I was like, "Yep, I know what you're talking about." But no, thank you. Uh, everybody else on Troll Hunter. I've seen half this movie. Um, Kirk's right. I really do like the troll designs, and the the CG is actually pretty impressive. Like a lot of it's shot at night. I mean, there's a specific reason why in the story of the movie. Um, certain certain trolls have more than one head. Which I think is funny. Um, and I I really like the the, the last troll, the, the 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 last troll in the last. 10 minutes of the movie. I think that whole sequence is really good. But yeah. I, yeah. I haven't seen all of it, so I can't really say too much. I have not seen it. Coho hasn't. If Coho's going to come back to the show, that'd be great at some point. Uh, I will definitely everybody, be back. Sorry. Everybody loves the blue hair. Just loves little Love sunglasses <laughs> with blue. Um, 65, uh, Kirk. My 65 is Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Um, this is my, well, based what's on coming up soon, my second favorite comedy of the 2000s. I think this is peak, uh, Will Ferrell. 
I think he really finds the best of everything he does in this movie. Um, I think everybody in that ensemble cast is pitch perfect and doing their best comedy work. I think this is the funniest movie Adam McKay has ever directed. Um, I think a lot of what Farrell does, what McKay does, uh, what you know, the, the supporting cast, what they've all done throughout their careers before it sits is very hit and miss. And here they just captured lightning in the bottle and they got everything right. Uh, I, I watch, I've watched this movie uh, two or three times in the past six months for trivia purposes, and I'm still you know laughing as much as the first time I saw it. It's hilarious. So many great quotes, so many great moments. Uh, like I said, Farrell's perfect. Paul Rudd's great. Steve Rail, Dave Pickner. Everybody in this movie is just firing all cylinders. The most unkirk pick I would have ever thought was coming is much the Ron Burgundy. Uh, I told I you. Agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, no one else had this on their list. Kirk's in potential to win uh, yet again. Um, we'll see. We'll see. There's a whole episode. And this isn't as this isn't as like shut your mouth, but. This would be in my top 100. I'm telling you right now, Legend of Ron Burgundy is great. I'm 100% with you. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times I see this movie. It's hilarious. It is the funniest movie by Adam McKay, I think. Um, uh, I, I think it's brilliant, um, especially with all of them. Like I That scene when Champ sits down and goes, when this is all over, we should get an apartment together. Uh, still. Tears every time I watch that scene because I think it's brilliant. Because Champ's like, you're drunk, like, shut up, but it's brilliant. Uh, so yeah, um, I Kirk is a happy person at some point, he laughs, he does laugh at films. This is great news for the whole community. Why does everybody else hate comedy? I don't hate this movie. Um, one, I honestly think I just came to too late. Uh, I by the time I watched it. I kind of just knew all the big moments already. So I didn't quite get that surprise reaction. Uh, so a lot of it were the less notable moments. That was the stuff that I was experiencing for the first time. So I think that kind of brought things down for me. I kind of wish I could have seen it blind. Um, wish you were in a glass case of emotion. I get it. <laughs> That's a reference. Milk was oh, a bad choice. It is. Um, I I think there's one thing about this movie that I think is hilarious, and that's Brick Tamlin. I think he's the funniest thing about this movie. Everything he says is hilarious, and I love it. Um, I, everything else, I don't care for. I don't like the improv that they're doing. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't work. Uh, this is the third, second best Adam McKay movie. Um, I'm sure you'll find out later on in the list. Not this list, but later next week or two. What the best Adam McKay film is, and I'll be uh, defending that to the neck, um, to the ground. And yeah, I think we said funniest, just a heads up, not best. Yeah, funniest. But the same thing, in my opinion. I J O. Um, but that's it. Yeah, this is okay. I uh, hold on before I even go to Caleb. He says the whole film just makes the 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 improv doesn't make sense. It's a flippant group of news anchors in the seventies. <laughs> None of it makes sense. The whole thing doesn't make sense. It's a comedy. I'm sorry it wasn't it wasn't Kung Pao for you. Um, well, go ahead. Uh, I saw this for the first time with Cody, Tim, 
Maggie and Robert in Madison, Wisconsin, while we were playing a game, and then this was on in the background, and Cody can attest I was constantly not paying attention to the game and turning around and listening to the jokes. Uh, I like this one. Um, I like most of Adam McKay's filmography, actually. It's not my favorite one, um, but this is a good movie, and I can't remember <laughs> I haven't seen it enough, and it I came to the whole party late, so... You're also children when they came out, so it's fine. It's true. Um, uh, all right, Kirk. So, so far, uh, uh, my number sixty-four is uh, Doctor Strange Love, or How I Learned to Stop. Blah blah blah. Uh, and I think this got yikes by somebody else. Are yikes? Yeah, that was me. Else, no? uh, last week. Did no one else have Strange okay. Love? Just those two. I think it was just two of us. Yep. Uh, this is. Just a really great movie. Uh, Kubrick does something brilliant. He makes a movie with a point, a movie that is terrifying, especially in the time frame that it is made, uh, and it is still hilarious. Uh, anybody who wants to make a movie that has something to say, uh, that makes a very sharp point, watch this movie, study it, and learn how to make the movie good and not just you know vomit your rage or your fear all over the screen, like actually construct something he does that so brilliantly in this movie uh the characters are great it's just such so farcical um and just goes so far I mean, he just but he, he goes you know you hear the story about how he cut the pie fight scene at the end it's like that just shows how brilliant he just went far enough with this movie to make it kind of ridiculous but drag it you know drug it back to keep it ground in the real world um i was reading about today they said they the government actually made changes to their uh policies when they saw this movie to prevent what actually happened, this movie from really happening. Uh, so it actually had a real world impact and it just, so that like, it's so again, another hilarious movie, so many funny moments. Um, you know, Peter Sellers is great in all his roles. Uh, George C. Scott and Sterling Hayden are great playing it straight. And, uh, yeah, just a fantastic movie. Uh, Jake, go ahead. Uh, yeah, this is a perfect blend of real horror and comedy. And I don't know how Kubrick does it, but he did it so well. Um, the, the phone conversation with Dimitri is hilarious. It really just shows Peter Sellers is uh, his comedic, uh, you know, his, uh, his skills as a, a comedian, and also the fact that he plays three different roles. I think is um, really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, Doctor Strange, the titular character, he's in the last twenty minutes, but you see him throughout the entire movie. It's really weird, but I, his character is also just kind of crazy. Um, also, George C. Scott doesn't get enough recognition. The fact that he plays it so crazy and the fact that he didn't even want to. Kubrick said, you, I want you to play it super crazy. And I know I want to, I'm going to go super serious. So it's like, okay, we'll do one take serious. And then next day we'll do the silly, goofy one. And he just used the goofy ones without telling George C. Scott. I mean, that's the kind of crazy madman Kubrick is. I think this film's funny. And yeah, I like. I think this is a funnier film than uh, Anchorman or Step Brothers. Step Brothers is the best anime film that's crazy. Jake, listen, I've said this before on Jurassic Park. Things said in these episodes will have effects on later scores. So don't be a douche. Um, second, I've seen this movie once. I saw it this year. I saw it maybe two months ago. I think it's really good. I think it's honestly brilliant. I didn't think I would like it. Bowman actually saved this movie for me, uh, I think, because if I would have went into what I thought it was, which is like he said, don't expect to laugh a minute. And I'm glad that he didn't because like that end scene is great to me. I think like the funny moments are fantastic throughout this entire film. Um, so yeah, I respected a 64. I'm just surprised it wasn't on like maybe Bowman's list, but he'll explain why. Um, but yeah, 
Great choice. At 64, I have no problem. Um, Anchorman almost beat Doctor Strange alone. This was fantastic for me. It was real close. Uh, go ahead. Um, uh, both. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, this is... This didn't, like, not get on my list for any specific reason against the film. It was just tough. I, I wanted to get it in there. I just couldn't quite sneak it in. Too many Albert Brooks movies, though. <laughs> I mean, they're good, so... But, yeah, I, I really like this one. I think Peter Sellers is legit giving an all-time great comedic performance because uh, he's basically giving the three different types of comedic performances. You know, he has more the the wild outlining just one with Dr. Strangelove. When he plays the, the British guy, he gets to be more like the straight man to Sterling Hayden's crazy antics. And then he gets to be somewhere in between when he plays the president. And I think he's fantastic as all three. Um yeah, it, it's a fantastic movie, and it definitely uh, deserves to be on the top 100. I needed Boatman to save this movie for me because I went in expecting a laugh a minute the way Cody did, uh, and I didn't. Uh, I, I remember I think I text Boatman 45 minutes in and was said, am I supposed to laugh at this because I haven't laughed yet? Uh, and I didn't get any response back because he's a bitch. Uh, but uh, it's fine. I gave it three stars. I think Sellers is fantastic. Um, I guess I just I watched under the wrong lens apparently, uh, but it was fine. Um, okay, Coho. Now tell us what films, what real films are. Uh, oh yeah. All right, my sixty-seven is one of my all-time favorite Nolan movies. Just the Prestige. Um, the Prestige. I I there's a lot of backlash on the Prestige recently that I'm like. Okay, fine, I guess. Uh, but I think oh, it's... Right. Oh, that's the ice. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you for paying attention. Fuck you. All right. I will say, this is Mike Hanley's fault. He messaged me about the Knives Out read-along. He also messaged me as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can do two things. Like, focus up, man. Okay, go ahead. I'm mad. All right. Well, my 66 anyway is new, but it's worth it. It's Rocket Man. Um, Rocket Man is a movie I've seen at least seven times in the year that it's been out. Uh, it's super rewatchable. Taron Edgerton is super great as Elton John. The soundtrack's phenomenal. The, the way they decided to take it and make it a jukebox musical, kind of telling you Elton John's life through Elton John's own perspective is really cool. Um, I think all the musical numbers and the way they're designed are really great, uh, especially like deciding to open with the bitches back and ending with I'm Still Standing, I think are both two phenomenal sequences. The Rocket Man sequence in this movie alone is great, but the one that I love the most is Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Um, I think that is shot and directed magnificently. Um, but yeah, it's great. And I can't believe it only got one Oscar nomination for original song. It, I'm glad it won that, but there's yeah, so no, much no. more I should have won and been nominated for. It's fantastic. Anybody else have Rocket Man? None of us know. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I love Rocket Man. It's probably because it's Elton. I mean, honestly. Uh, I, 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 I've seen it multiple times since. Um, it still has a... There's stuff I don't like now on multiple rewatches, but not that it takes away. It's kind of like the subject matter of it, like with Elton's life and his songs. I love both. I love the story. So it it sucked me in. I didn't, and I honestly, it took me by surprise because it's not what I expected. 
I did not expect at all what happened. Um, I've said before, if Rami didn't win the year before, I think Rob, uh, I think Edgerton would have won this year for it. Um, they weren't going to give it back to back, and I think he's far, far better than Rami Malik um, as Elton John. Um, I think overall the entire song. I think Bryce Dallas Howard is fantastic in this movie. Um, there's a few scenes in that that are great, uh, and I think it's shot well as a musical. Um, some could say recency bias. That's fine. I would. I would expect this like 80s, but it's Coho, so I expect 60s. That's fine. Um, everybody on Rocket Man. Not all at once. I wish, I wish um, they would have like either leaned real hard into the just like campy uh, jukebox musical aspect, or just went straight and told the story because bouncing back and forth just kind of like was just the start and stop of it, and like they didn't blend well to me. Um, I also realized that Elton John's life, at least the uh, portion they portray in this movie, is really that interesting. And um, also that ending is so sappy um, with him meeting everybody is just such a sappy ending. Um, I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't love it nearly as much as everybody else did. I Elton, love have a more exciting life. Go ahead. I, I love this movie. Um, I'm a big fan of Elton John. He's one of my favorite uh, musicians. Uh, I was lucky enough to see his um, his uh, good Bethel Yellow Brick Road tour uh, back in December last year. Uh, same day I won the singles battle of Jeremy, so I don't know if that's a, a good luck there. Good karma. This is one uh, of the Please, please <laughs> about the concert. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this movie's great. Um, this feels like it was taken from the mind of Elton John, this whole film. like It has his style. It just feels like it's an Elton John biopic. Um, I, my favorite sequence is the I'm um, Still Standing uh, at the end of the movie. I think the fact they're just able to replicate the music video is just... Anyway, almost like T is brilliant. I'd rather you not bring up the concert. Uh, please, thank you very much. Next year, Cody. Don't worry. Next year. It's only been postponed. Uh, it's only been postponed. It's not canceled. Go ahead. There was a question asked about this movie that time I slapped Jake upside the head with his own belt. Anyway, <laughs> if you get to bring it up, I bring it up. <laughs> I got the question right. So why are you going to be so mean? <laughs> anyway, Jake and um, Boatman in a dick measuring contest every time they're on call. If we won more movie trivia matches, no one gives you shit. Both of you, go ahead, continue. Anyway, uh, I really like this one. Uh, I thought I didn't realize until I actually saw this movie that it was going to be like a musical. I thought it was more of like a standard yeah. biopic, uh, and I really like the way they did it with it because I don't really like standard biopics. I like biopics that do something different with it. Um, and I really like what they did with it. I just love, like, Bowman and Jake are the people at bars that talk about their high school quarterback days. Well, I almost <laughs> won today. Who gives this shit? You knew, you knew Memento. Get the hell out of here. Um, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> go to your next one. <laughs> if I'm going to get called recency bias on the last one. I'm going to get called it twice. 65 is JoJo Rabbit. Uh, no one's going to yank this, but JoJo Rabbit, I've seen a lot in the last several months. I just It's one of those movies that after you watch it the first time, you're like, I don't know. But after the second time, it grows on you, and you find yourself going back to it more and more and more, at least for me. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I get something new out of it every time. 
Um, I find a new appreciation on each watch for a different aspect of the movie. I think Sam Rockwell's performance is really underrated in it. Um, Boatman's going to be happy about that. I think there's a lot of actual subtlety that Rockwell brings to that role that he didn't get enough credit for. Um, I think ScarJo's great. Thomas and McKenzie was completely overlooked, and I can't believe it because she's the best performance of this movie by a country mile. Um, uh, Jack Dylan Gray. No, that's not his name. Roman Griffin Davis. Roman Griffin Davis. I don't know why I just blank like that. Uh, he's great uh, as JoJo, and I know there's going to be criticism on Taika Waititi's performance. It works for me. I know there's so many people who don't like it. I know there's so many people who do like it. Paul's going to say, fuck you for having it. Uh, but I, I, it works for me. I think YTD has a great comedic timing with it. Um, and I think it's well written. I'm glad it won the Oscar for adaptive screenplay. So I was about to, before you start talking, insert insert Paul with his hate on JoJo Rabbit. Um, also, uh, Michael Campbell, I will agree, Tiny Dancer, it is the second best version of Tiny Dancer. And it wasn't an Elton John biopic. That was the first. Um Jojo Rabbit, I like. Um, I don't know. This, this is this is one of those this is one of those movies that came off of like the whole uh, when things get Oscar love or when they're brought into the light, uh, people like either are really happy about it or turn. And this movie is one of those from that year that is now turned in some aspects that some people really just don't like it and some people really love it. I was. I it was in my top ten. I really enjoyed it. I thought Taika's uh, Adolf Hitler and that concept. He may have not been the greatest, but I think that back and forth is just hilarious to me. That his like conscious is Hitler during this time. Um, it does take an emotional turn where it's comedy, comedy pretty much, and then it turns. Uh, I've used this numerous times. The girl, what's her name? Jonathan McKenzie. The best, uh, she should have deserved a nomination. I think she's fantastic in this movie. Uh, I think she, the boy was good, but she was brilliant. I think um, that story where he just learns to like break down. And I could just, it kind of takes a different turn that we don't get to talk about in the World War II aspect of like what the kids thought during this whole Nazi Germany. And I think it tells an important story because they were taught like the hate that's taught in America at this time, like, for race and for color. I think like that's something that was probably passed down and taught to the kids growing up in Nazi Germany. Like that's what you're supposed to. And him kind of developing and learning by himself, like, oh, they're not as bad as you think, you know. Um, and that scene wearing the shoes, like that, I remember that scene happening. I watched it at home and I rewound. I was like, um, what? And you didn't see anything else. Uh, Rebel Wilson's terrible in this fucking movie. Terrible. Stop casting her, please. Please stop casting her. Um, or make her produce her, make her own, like, she has to make <laughs> her own movies. I don't know, but I'm tired of it. Um, yeah, so fine. I, 65 is a little high. But you've seen 112 movies. So, um, everybody um, on Jojo Rabbit. Um, I like By the way, this isn't best... This isn't 2019. This isn't best of 2019 right now. We're not doing that. <laughs> I, I absolutely loved this movie. The thing that kept it out of like my top three of 2019 was a person named Rebel Wilson. Like legitimately, I think she is awful in this. And she she brings the movie down significantly for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not. Best thing. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I would Go say ahead. that I like this movie. I, I like it in the same aspect I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is that it focuses on a real life evil and 
the centric villain, the centric character who created that evil is made into a, a joke, a farce. And I really like that. It takes away all their power and makes them a joke. And I think that's just what films can do and really shows that with Hitler. And I like that aspect, especially with the end and what happens to him, um, which is funny. Um, but yeah, I do love, and I just love the fact that it ends with a David Bowie song. Like that's, that's my shit there, but um, I think it's a good movie. Yeah. Jake Priggs have a good point. The soundtrack is really good. Um, and also, yeah, just the fact that um, I, I, same as Jake said, the, the, when they show something like this as ridiculous, because it was ridiculous. That's the thing people, you know, it was, it was silly. I mean, it was horrible and unspeakable ugliness, but it was just nonsense. And when they projected his nonsense, I like that spin on it. Um, Rebel Wilson is terrible, but as bad as she is, Sam Rockwell is great. As always, he's the best thing in everything he's in. He's the best thing in this. Um, I didn't mind Taika Waititi's performance. I've only seen it one time. Um, I can see it on multiple rewatches, moving up my list. I don't know if Overcraft the top 100, but it can get close. All right, so then my 64, I'm going to take you back to biblical times, to the year 2005. Uh, this is uh, Sky High. Uh, this is a movie I have grown up with, uh, so there's a, there's definitely rooted in nostalgia here, but taking the nostalgia away, I think this is a movie that works. Uh, I think the uh, concept is really creative, and it has a lot of fun with it. Uh, it takes your sort of high school drama comedy sort of coming-of-age story and buries it in a world of superheroes, and I think it's really cool. Um, I think Kurt Russell's great as, like, the Superman of this world uh, and getting to see what, like, the next generation of superheroes going to a high school taught by superheroes looks like. Uh, the heroes and sidekicks being the the hierarchy is really fun. Uh, I love Mr. Boy, uh, the former sidekick to Kurt Russell, being the teacher. Dave Foley is so funny in his little parts as Mr. Boy. Um... Mary Elizabeth Winstead's great. Uh, I love Daniel Panabaker. I think this is my favorite Daniel Panabaker performance uh, of her career in this one. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I love Bruce Campbell. Like this cast is stacked, and it's really fun. Uh, and I, I go back to it pretty frequently. So, boy, boy, no, no, I get it. There are the first thirty minutes of this movie I find somewhat enjoyable. And then when they try to become superheroes and stuff, it just really pisses me off. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, um, yeah, it's not a good one. The whole scheme of turning into babies makes me want to just flip and just shoot myself. I'm sorry. I don't like this movie. And uh, you know why? You know why? It's because of you. It is you. It is 100% you. Uh, this movie would have flown under the radar. I would have probably never remembered it, but I met you, and you have ruined this movie's pro life. Um, so, no. Bad choice. Um, everybody else on Sky High, I guess I'll save Bowman for last, because it didn't make his list, but I know that's all. Okay. You want to Okay. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, yeah, this. Um, I remember. Okay, so Kobe talks about nostalgia. Uh, I mean, I saw this when I was a kid as well in cinemas. Like, I just thought it was fun, like as a kid. And then I grew up because I changed as a person during that time, and uh, I became a different person. And now I'm. Uh, now I just don't really care for this movie. Like, it's and now, you, and now you get off on Kung Pao. That's good to know. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but um, no, I think this film's okay. Like, it's it's a fun little, like, superhero film for kids and Disney Channel stuff. Um, but, the, I mean, Cameron mentioned his name, but the fireman is Warren Peace. Warren yeah. Peace. Like, how right. subtle can you be with that? Not everything can be as great as recutting a Chinese film and putting your own Americanized scenes in it, okay? I'm sorry. I'm simplifying what they're doing. Oversimplifying, but um, I think it's just a fine little film. Like, like 100 favorite films of all time, and this is 64. Just yes. think about that. That's yes, crazy. I stand by it. Ron Wilson, bus driver, go fuck yourself. Yeah, this oh, is man. over. This is over. The Departed. Yes, it is. <laughs> you, you. I'm, a, I'm okay with this that. This is over movies um, that I genuinely think you are. Shut your mouth, Kirk. This um, is a movie. Oh, sorry. Kirk. I guess it's you, you wake up no, you go. Um, all right. I feel really old because uh, Coho grew up with this movie. Um, my oldest child also grew up with this movie. Um, and so I kind of grew up with it as well. Uh, I've seen this movie a lot. Uh, and I like it. It's a fun movie. Uh, you know, this one, you, you got kids and they want to watch a movie over and over again. I'll take this one over a lot of the other ones. Uh, there's a lot of fun world building here. I like those movies. They take superheroes and keep keep the comic book ish of it, but still try to make it. It's almost like Harry Potter for superheroes. Um, then, like, I don't mind like the names and the plot because it all feels very much like Silver Age comics. Um, so yeah, it's not on my list, but I'm not going to kill Cody. I mean, our co-host for this. This is a um, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Um... I I really enjoy this one. I grew up with it, uh, but I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I think 64 is very high, but I also get it because I know Koho absolutely loves it. I think the, the silliness of it, it's it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. Like, the fact that his name is War and Peace, like, that's the joke. It's making fun of, like, the silly names of, like, what Kirk said, Silver Age comics. Like, it's supposed to be, like, this kind of love letter homage to like the the sensibilities like the Christopher Reeve Superman movies and stuff yeah. like that. You know, it's not supposed to be taken seriously. It's supposed to be fun. And I think there's actually a lot of good comedy going on in this movie. Uh, one of my favorites was, uh, don't tell your mother I am taking away your Xbox, though. I don't have an Xbox. Here you go. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I think it's a lot of good, and I think you know they've got a lot of good comedic actors behind the role. Bruce Campbell's very funny. Kurt Russell's very funny. Kelly Preston. Um. Okay. Um. <laughs> Bowman. Yeah, my number sixty-three. Jake, get ready to say yikes! Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Cool. Oh, you've been mistaken. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I really enjoy this film. I think this is kind of this twist on not the romantic comedy, but the twist, the twist on like the manic pixie dream girl with Clementine. Uh, I think you have Jim Carrey giving a fantastic performance in this. I love the the visual style. I love the the way this movie takes dreams and memories and all that. Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. The way they did these visuals, basically being like optical illusions. Uh, it's Charlie Kaufman at uh, his best. I, I, well, not his best, but I absolutely love it. Close to his best. I haven't seen it. 
It's one that I have not seen. Um, I hear it's great, or I hear it's meh. So I'm scared to watch it, honestly. Um, but it's one I probably will check out at some point, especially this year. Um, what does everybody else uh, feel about this? Not say me to last. Okay. Uh, I've seen it. The thing with Kaufman I've learned is he either really hits or he really misses. If it's like being John Malkovich or adaptation, I love it. If it's like an Alisa, I love it. If it's like Synecdoche, New York, it can go fuck itself. And this is the one that falls like Synecdoche, New York. Uh, it's too it's too up its own ass uh, to be to really make any sense, and then pretend like it makes sense. Uh, and looks at you and goes, "You're an idiot if you don't understand this movie." Uh, but it really doesn't have much to say. Um, I think it's fine. Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are both great. Uh, but other than that, I just I don't think it's that good. Uh, I saw this when it came out, and I liked it. And for some reason, I've never gone back to it. If I did, I'm guessing I'd rank it a lot higher because this kind of concept is just really up my alley, and the cast is just ridiculously stacked. Uh, so it just haven't seen it in a while. Would be my excuse for not having it on my list. Uh, when I rewatch it, I'll let you know. We'll see where it goes. I like this movie a lot. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Charlie Kaufman. Um, me and Ethan never had a have never had a Kaufman talk, but I would like to talk to that man. Um, he just is able to create so many like fascinating ideas in like in the script and and just the fact that he works with Michelle Gondry and Spike Jones so many times surely shows like these directors know how to like shoot his vision. Um, as Leonard Luke Synecdoche directs that movie, he, he's able to just capture like the imagination of his own mind perfectly on screen. And I really love the representation of dreams in this movie. I think it's one of the best portrayals of that sort of stuff. The fact that you can walk from one place to another and it feels like it's the same location is just perfect. And the fact that they're able to capture that so well. And I mean, Ben was talking about the optics, optical illusions and the way that um, the forced the force perspectives that Lord of the Rings did. It's just so good. Um, I really love the relationship between um, Joe and Clementine. I think it's one of the best um, romances of the uh, 2000s. It's um, it's kind of devastating, but it's uh, it's also it ends optimistic with uh, with what happens, and I think it's great. Yeah, I just it's it's up there, but just not in the top 100. I would say it's definitely um, not far off. But yeah, I do really like this movie. But just maybe you need another viewing. One one week I'm gonna do funniest people in this community, but I guarantee everyone's gonna to lose to Michael Campbell. Well done, Michael. Well that was, done. That was good. That was good. He is always he is always brilliant. He is a he is a silent assassin when it comes to humor. He is brilliant. Um, all right, uh, Jake. Gosh, I can just imagine. I actually think it's gonna be a yikes. Um, back to normal normalcy. Um, it is uh, pulp fiction. Yikes. Yikes. I'm glad that one doesn't stop here. That would make me very sad. Um, uh, Kirk, go ahead. Okay, my number 63, circling around back to my favorite comedies of the 2000s. Uh, this is a movie that has no middle ground. You either hate it or you love it, so we'll see where everybody lands. Uh, it is Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, this is just such a fun movie. Uh, I love these characters. Uh, I love the fact that they could go so easily to like movie nerds and just moot characters that were made up to be in a movie, but they're so, they're so grounded uh, for as ridiculous as they are. Um, you know, 
Kip, Napoleon, Uncle Rico uh, are just such insane characters, but you still kind of love them and sympathize with them. Um, and I love the world this movie takes place in. I love that it's not like a typical uh, movie high school or movie situation. You know, like the, like the the bullies or the mean kids of this movie, like they're not out to destroy Napoleon. They're just like normal teenager ki kids, and they don't like Napoleon because he's a nerd and he's obnoxious. And so it is so uh, – I just love that. Just the, the the aesthetic and the feel and the setting of this movie, as well as the character. You know, Uncle Rico is one of my favorite characters of the 2000s when he throws the stake at Napoleon's head on the bike for no reason, knocks him off. That is just a, a, a great moment. Um, and just so many, it's so And again, it, it suffers almost like from uh, Austin Power syndrome, where you hate the movie because you've heard so many people do so many bad impersonations of the character. Uh, but I think the movie itself is fantastic. I okay, like Malcolm. the. I. <laughs> yeah, sure, Malcolm. It's okay. Malcolm says the movie's overrated. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Malcolm, Malcolm says it's overrated. Movie 43, though, masterpiece. Hang on. It doesn't even matter about movie 33. He literally put. What did he put at two and a half stars the other day? Most insane choice ever. It, it, Malcolm lives in his own world, I think. Um, That's it. So. Yeah, <laughs> Facts. He lives in New Zealand, but yeah, he's the only person there. Uh, Peter Jackson, go watch King Kong. Okay, um, so um, I love the first like thirty minutes of this movie. I think the first thirty minutes has all the best jokes, pretty much, and then it just dies out for me after a while. Like I don't laugh as hard as that beginning. Like, can I borrow ch chapstick? Just borrow the nurses. That's disgusting. Chatting with hot babes on the internet. Uh, the bully kicks his tater tots in his pocket. Uh, eat food, you fat teeny, you fat lard. Uh, Rico saying he would, he could throw a football over the mountains. Uh, all those things are brilliant in the first part, but then he goes into this other side of the movie that I'm not as fun. I can watch that first 30 minutes for the rest of time. I think it is absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, Cat-like reflexes, all that stuff's great. The other stuff, I'm not a big fan of. Um, I think Anchorman is way better than this, but hats off. Um, uh, yeah, your mom goes to college. Uh, so uh, everybody else uh, on Napoleon Dynamite. I think my favorite joke in this movie doesn't get talked about enough. It's when the farmer is getting ready to shoot the cow. And like the gun's not ready to fire, and the school bus drives right by as he's about to shoot, and then you just see the horrified reactions of all these school children. That's, that joke when I saw it made me die laughing. Uh, I've seen this movie a lot. Absolutely love it. Um, if we would have gone back to like. 16, 15 year old boatman, this would have been in his top 10. Um, now, I, I still really uh, enjoy it. Uh, I just, it, it wouldn't quite make my top 100. But I, I respect the pick. It's a little high, but I respect the pick. Go ahead, Jake. Um, I haven't seen it. It's just one of those films that I've just gone around to. Um, I probably don't know if I'll ever see it just because I know all the, the jokes and all that. Yeah, it's kind of like at this point. Mean, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to watch yeah. it without knowing a lot of the jokes Take already. But if anyone wants to use Jared Hess against me, then I'll be able to watch it. But yeah, uh, I think I am the middle ground. I I really like this movie when it hits. When it like, and there's a lot of times where it hits. Uh, a lot of these jokes are excellent. It's towards the end it kind of loses me a little bit, where I'm just like not a whole hundred percent on board. Yeah. I don't hate it, 
uh, I don't love it, but I like I said, I could watch the first 30 minutes of this movie forever. It's a it's a good time, uh, but it's not a movie I go back to enough. Coach, what about twelve gauge? What do you think? <laughs> the part of the no answer on the internet. It's <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, cool. What's your sixty-three? Uh, my sixty-three is going to win me back a whole lot of goodwill that will be blown away by the pick after this. Uh, my sixty-three is the nineteen eighty-eight classic coming to America. Uh, no one else is coming to America. You're all terrible people. Uh, well, I think coach is personal lead for me. That's okay. I'll be going to change up my next pick. Uh, coming to America <laughs> is probably one of my favorite comedies ever. It's, I think it's my favorite 80s comedy pretty easily. Like straightforward 80s comedy easily. Eddie Murphy's fantastic. Uh, every single part he plays, like in that, that barbershop scene alone, like the Oscar for makeup going to it 100% deserved because they're able to transform Eddie Murphy and his performance for each of those characters is spot on and so good uh, and you, each of them unique and have something funny to say. I think it's just a fun story. Just the idea of, of a prince coming to find true love in America and he's like, I think every joke just hits the, take me to Queens! <laughs> he takes it to the Queens and it's just a shithole. And he's just like, oh, well, leave it. Leaves the bags, they get taken. Like, I think uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall play off each other extremely well. Um, they have a great back and forth. Um, everything at McDowell's I love and everything to do with McDowell's I absolutely love. Uh, Samuel Jackson's one scene wonder uh, cameo is excellent. Um, yeah, I don't know if I could say a whole lot about this movie without running over time before getting the shut up. So I'll just leave it at it's fantastic. And if you haven't seen Coming to America, please watch it. It's my favorite John Landis movie. Oh, Coming to America is meant Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. I think this movie is brilliant. Uh, you did not give the scene justice, but I understand where he's like, take me to Queen. You sure? Yeah, we we will go to Queens and he shows up. All right, <laughs> then everything's gone. The overall relationship is great between those two. The comedic elements, I don't think, like him in the eighties and nineties. That's prime Eddie Murphy. I think it's brilliant. Um, yeah, I it is my easily top ten comedy of all time. I think Coming to America is brilliant. Um, so well done, well done, Coho. I hate that your sixty two apparently sucks. I'm glad I didn't look at this episode before. You're gonna but... hate my sixty two. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, Kirk, you're back in the lead. Um, everybody, I'm coming to America. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I really, really like this one. Only thing that kind of keeps it out of my top one hundred is I don't love the romantic subplot. I think uh, her character is a little bit underdeveloped. Uh, but everything else uh, is actually really, really funny. Uh, I also didn't see this until about two months ago. Uh, but it's it's really well done. It's probably my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Um, I would say I don't think it's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie, but I think it might be my favorite Eddie, Eddie Murphy performance. This is so much, so outside of what he usually does, just such like a genuine and pure character, such an optimistic character. Um, and he plays it so well. Uh, he and you know, uh, along with all the other roles he plays, so he's really great in this. Uh, yeah, just that it's a fun fish out of water story, just seeing him come to terms with that and the arc he has. Um, so yeah, I it's obviously not in my top 100, but yeah, it's a really good movie, really good comedy. And Won't You Be My Neighbor was the one that Malcolm put two and a half stars. Uh, what the <laughs> hell? Who hates Mr. Rogers that much? Right? Malcolm, you have some explaining to do. Uh, Jake, go ahead. I haven't seen it. 
The ugly truth is higher than that. Oh, good lord. Wait, okay. Jake, you haven't uh, seen Coming to America? It's never get around to it. Get on it. Yeah. Yeah, you watched Eraserhead how many times? Though? Okay, um, okay. Uh, we're going Boatman, 62. Right, my 62 is Dead Poet Society. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I absolutely uh, love this film. I think Robin Williams is like one of the best movie teachers in this film. Um, maybe if not the best, uh, like all of his speeches and moments are like, they're iconic at this point. Um, I actually like watched this movie for the first time the day Robin Williams passed. And like, that was not planned. Like I heard about it right as I was watching it. And like, with the way this movie ends, that hit really hard. Um, so you killed Robin Williams, basically, is what you're telling us. Yikes! Um, okay, well... Yikes! Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think... Uh, I, I really like the, the kids in this film, too. Ethan Hawke's fantastic. Um, I don't remember the, the actor's name, but the one who like wants to be in the theater is fantastic. I Neil. think... Yeah, Neil. Uh, I think the the whole film is really well done. Um, you ever seen it? No, I'm not a big fan of this movie. Oh, uh, no, I, uh, I I did not gravitate to it as much as I thought I would uh, when I watched it. I am William Robert Williams is the person that got me like in love with movies. So his comedic delivery and stuff. This is just not a movie that was top on my list. Um, I think it's good. It's just not one I go back to a lot. So I found it a little boring. Um, I know that's sacrilegious, but I'm sorry. It's not great. It's not my. It's not. It's not. It's great for people who like it. It's just not my movie. Uh, Dead Poets Society. What does everybody think? I'm actually with Cody. Uh, I like it. It's fine. And you all can't give me shit either. You all didn't have it on your list at all, so I'm I'm, I, I'm No, no. Exact. I 100% kind of agree. It's kind of boring and a little slow. I think Robin Williams is excellent, um, but on the whole, it's not one of my favorite of Peter Weir's movies or uh, Robin Williams. This on Peter Weir. Okay, you want to Um. Yeah, this movie uh, is kind of right my alley. I was an English major. My wife's an English teacher. I'm friends with a lot of English teachers. So, I mean, this is just that kind of like uh, movie that we gravitate to. Um, but again, the further we get away from it, um, I feel like it's a little dated and it kind of over sentimentalizes its own importance, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of schmaltzy. Uh, so I don't hate it, but I don't love it as much as I used to. It's a good movie. Mike saying you're on thin ice is one of my favorite comments ever. Thanks. That makes me feel much good. Um, so I haven't used this excuse, I don't think, yet, but this would be like, this would be the 101 to 105. Um, I, I love the Poet Society. Um, I think Peter Weir is arguably the best or second best Australian filmmaker. I'm a big fan of his work. Um, and the Poet Society is just such a, an emotional train wreck. Uh, what the specific scene I'm talking about going into the third act or well, around that time is is so good. Uh, Kurtwood Smith is just so good as the as Neil's dad. It's just so like you get where he's coming from, even though you hate everything that he's saying. Um, and I think Robin Williams is such a he just he feels like a mentor, like a teacher in this movie, and he just inspires these these boys. It's just it feels real. It feels like he is a teacher, and I just 
I love that. Um, and that ending is just so powerful. And yes, uh, Paul, it is slow. And also, Cameron, if uh, the very last episode of Your Little Sucks Ever, when we finally sign off the air for the final time, I'll let Malcolm and Spence on the same episode. But until then, over my dead body. Um, uh, Kirk, I'll let Kirk host it. Uh, Kirk, go ahead. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, what? My, my 62. Oh, I forgot about you, Jake. Go ahead. What's your 62? Nice people thing in my life. Yeah. Uh, like you forget to watch good movies. But Kangaroo Jack. Shut your ass, my friend. Um, <laughs> 62. This is... Uh, it's hard because this is actually a sequel and the uh, first one's later on in the list, but I'm going to try and talk about it without talking much about that one. Um, it is another day where a film, T2, train spotting. So, the only two people I know in this community that have, one, seen this movie and two, like slash love this movie is myself and Lucas Schilbach. Um, this is a, this is about nostalgia. This is about the glory days of of past and trying to re relive that sense of um, of immortality in a sense. And I think that's and youth as well. Uh, uh, damn, I can't talk about spotting. I don't want to spoil anything. So um, basically, Ren comes back and uh, Baby breaks out of prison and uh, he's trying to find. Trying to, and he, they run into each other, and then baby's trying to kill Ren. Um, it's a sequel to Transporting from '96. Everybody knows that. This one takes an interesting turn. It's not based off the book Porno, which was the uh, the sequel book to Transporting. This one's kind of its own thing. I think Danny Boyle is having fun with the style. Um, it's a, very similar to um, it's a Sunshine in its uh, visual style, and it, they just do so many tricks in the book. It's just so good that I love the way that the film looks, the lighting, the colors, the Dutch angle tilts. It's just it's like a filmmaker's dream to be able to do whatever you want. And uh, I think also the music choices, Danny Bell loves doing that sort of stuff. And I think the soundtrack specifically, like the way the film opens, which is a callback to the uh, beginning of the first movie is just so good. I think everyone goes see train spotting and then go see the Because I think this is a, a sequel that deserves its love. I think it's as good as the first one, but um, just a slightly little levels below, but it's a, it's an undervalued sequel. Um, I've seen the first one. wasn't a big fan of the first one. Um, the second one, no, <laughs> no thanks. Uh, no offense. I not that it's bad. I haven't seen it. I just wasn't crazy about the first one. So, what does everybody else think about this one? I haven't seen either of them. I haven't seen the second one. I only like the first one. I don't love the first one. T two. How dare you? Um, no, I exactly. That's so good, though. I love that. Um, Malcolm, you're not a documentary guy. It's about fucking Mr. Rogers. Like, have a heart. I love it. He, says, he wouldn't know. He wouldn't know who Mr. Rogers was if there wasn't the documentary or the movie. And I'm really confused. <laughs> what happens in New Zealand? Okay, yeah. uh, Kirk. Um, my number 62 is a movie called Too Late. Uh, we were talking about movies uh, done with all in one shot earlier. Uh, this is a movie I believe it consists of uh, five or six. I think it's five extended scenes that are all uh, done in one actual take. Um, it's not camera trick. I think it's actually just done one shot. Um, it's a uh, crime thriller murder mystery. Uh, John Hawks uh, stars in this. It is, uh, you know, I think he's a great actor who's very uh, underutilized. 
he is a private detective and it's kind of the scenes are shown out of order so as he's figuring things out you're also figuring things out what's going on uh it's very tense um just a lot of different situations robert forrester's in one he plays a crime boss that john knox is gonna confront and uh, like i said the story is just uh let out to you a little bit at a time and uh every scene is just very gripping like i said the way it's shot is um, just keeps you glued to the screen, and his performance keeps you glued to the screen. I know a lot of people haven't seen this. I stumbled upon it on Netflix once a couple years ago, and I was just really enthralled with it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something everybody should watch. Um, if there's one movie on my list that you haven't seen, uh, maybe it should be Troll Hunter. But if not Troll Hunter, watch this. <laughs> you told me to see the You told me to watch this one. I have not seen it. Uh, by the end of this whole thing, I will have watched it. So, yeah. Um, everybody else, I'm too late. I haven't seen it, but there, I vividly remember seeing the poster on Netflix, and I debated between watching that or Nightcrawler for the first time. I settled on Nightcrawler. It's been years since I've gone back to try and actually sit down and watch it since, uh, but I need to watch it. Uh, it's been in my queue for a long time. I've actually never heard of this movie. I also have never heard of this movie. And also looking at my Netflix, it's not unfortunately on Netflix. I don't think it's on Netflix US anymore either. Okay. That's sad. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, my number 62 is where I lose all the goodwill of coming to America. My 62 is Deadpool. Uh, oh, fucking hell. I know Cody, I know Cody hates this movie. I know Cody hates this movie. I know, I know, I know. I've heard it all before. I still really enjoy it. Um, I think it's really fun. I think Ryan Reynolds is really, really good as Deadpool, and the jokes always land for me. Um, I, I like the character of Deadpool. I think he can get obnoxious when he's mishandled. See Deadpool 2. Uh, but I think the first Deadpool is lightning in a bottle. Um, where it takes all the best parts of Deadpool, channels it into a really simple story. The story's not anything really special. It's just a simple tale of revenge. But I think when you take that idea, that concept, that story, and you inject the humor and the metatextual comedy of Deadpool and put him into that setting, I think it works really well, especially with the wider X-Men universe sort of being referenced around it. Um, it's a good movie. I enjoy it a lot. Does anybody else have Deadpool? Yeah, Kirk, you're back to work in the fucking episode. Coming America is fucking 63 and you put Deadpool wire. I'm sorry. Um, I've said it before. I will say it again. Deadpool's great if dick joke humor is your cup of tea and you just find that shit hilarious. Um, it's like when I heard my dad say the F word the first time, I thought that shit could have just oh, cracked me up. Hilarious. Guess what? People say fuck all the time. It's not that entertaining anymore. And they just overkill this. It's rated R because it's rated R. And I'm going to talk to the audience. because That's who I am. And I don't care how close it is to the comics. I don't give two shits. People that say this is one of the best comic book movies of all time is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. It's the cookie cutter thing. There are funny jokes throughout. Yes, to quote Hal Rudnick, even a man in jail smiles every once in a once in a while. I just can't stand the people's love for this movie. And the second one is a literally, if this one's a steaming pile of shit, that one, this one's, this one's a fine movie. Like I get why people like it, but Tuesday. after you've seen it the first time, the jokes go way out for me. I just, I don't laugh anymore. Um, everybody else on Deadpool. 
I like this one. Um, I don't love it, but I, I, I like it. I think there's some good humor in it, but I also think there's some like cringy uh, ha 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 dicks exist humor. And by the way, Kathy, thank you. Not everybody feels like that after community. The more I get on screen, the more people dislike me. So I appreciate the compliment, Kathy. Thank you. Everybody else? Um, I really enjoyed Deadpool the first time through. I mean, right from the start with the way they did the opening credits. Uh, the first time I saw it, it was just because I'd never say anything like that. On rewatch, it's just a lot of, like you said, like the same type of humor a lot of weirdly dated 90s references you know fred durst and rosie o'donnell for some reason and you know we we get it hugh jackman is a thing and you know it's hilarious uh and so yeah it, it just it, it the, the character itself is entertaining ryan reynolds is good and is well cast and he's good in it but the jokes just get exhausted after a while it's like it's it's like something a, a, a 13 a 12 or 13 year old right because it's like he just learned those words um so he dumps it as many as he can it's hilarious um i don't hate the movie i don't hate the character but it is tiresome um i think this is a quite an average superhero film maybe slightly above this there's two jokes or two sequences i think are really good um the opening title sequence or credit sequence with um angel of the morning playing just hold through the car crash. I think is tell some good jokes, and I like yeah. the, the the comical uh, overpaid tool directed by an overpaid tool and all that sort of stuff. I think that's funny, and I like the twelve bullets sequence. I think that's actually really clever, and the stuff they do in that, I think it's fun. Other than that, I think it's just like it's okay, but uh, yeah, hundred percent. Um, okay, um, Bowman, my sixty-one. Uh, Coho just brought it up. Nightcrawler. Uh, yikes. You're done. Uh, Jake? Um, my number 61 will not be a yikes. It is the second Michael Haneke film. Uh, the first one I ever saw, Funny Games, uh, specifically US. There are, I'm going to go a little into it, there are actually two Funny Games movies, one from 97 and one from 2007. So... This really shows, this one really shows like what kind of filmmaker Michael Haneke is. Um, the expectations he sets up with horror tropes or just like the thrillers in general. Um, he made a film from 97 Funny Games. Uh, he wanted to make it in America and he never had the chance because of funding and all that sort of stuff. So he made it in his um, home country. And it was well received, but he didn't get the message. It didn't properly get the message across. It was, it was like a lost in translation type of thing. So 10 years later, he built credibility, made cash day. So the next one he does is Funny Games US. He gets uh, Tim Roth and um, Naomi Watts in the leads. He gets uh, Mike, Michael Pitt and Brady Corbett. And it's an American version, but this is the most faithful version of what he's trying to tell. The film is about the desensitization of violence, specifically in American media. And it, subver uh, not to be like Ryan Johnson, but it subverts your expectations with horror tropes, uh, specifically horror tropes and what it's trying to tell. And it just, you, you expect one thing, and a lot of people ex um, thought of this as kind of a, a fuck you mentality of what it sets up and then what it does. There, especially one scene involving a remote control that definitely I feel annoyed people and the kind of idea about what reality is and the metaphysical fake reality and what's the difference really between both. They have a conversation about that later on in the movie and um, yeah, a family gets um, attacked by two um, strangers and they are held ransom at or they're held at, they're held at the house and they're trying to get out and the film's reality will not let them. 
this is not a Cody movie, uh, but if you want to get into Haneke, this is the film I say you get into. To kind of like get it. I'm gonna shock you. I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen any of the funny games. I've seen funny you, people. Um, if you want to get into Haneke, if I say one Haneke film, this is one that I can see you kind of see you watching and maybe getting. It, but like. Maybe getting if it's if it's not Cody, that's great. Um, everybody else on Funny Games. I haven't seen it, but I actually want to. Coho hasn't. Um, uh, <laughs> I have. I have. I have not. Um, this is probably one I won't watch unless Jacob uses Hanaki against me. Um, there's just I think everybody has their own threshold as to what they're willing to look at on a movie. And from what I've seen and what I understand about this movie, I think this one crosses mine. Um, and I know there's a point to it. I know there's a message, but just actually what you're seeing and hearing on screen um, might is just something I really don't want to see. Um, then that's just my personal taste and standards. Everybody else is different. And that's cool. Um, so yeah, Jake uses against me if you want me to watch it because that's probably the only way I will. But I will, I will watch it. Don't think I won't. No, uh, I know you will. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. Uh. Kirk. Um. I'm probably done for the night. My number sixty-one is Avengers Endgame. Yikes. Oh God. Okay. All right, Coho. Take us home, Country Road. Me and Kirk have had more in common on our lists than I would have expected. This That's is where true. I piss him right the fuck off. 61's The Breakfast Club. <laughs> uh, okay, we're done. <laughs> yep, we're, we're through. Uh, I love The Breakfast Club. Uh, it, um, it's one of my favorite sort of ensemble casts. I think they all play off each other really well. Um, for me, it's a movie that, like, I wasn't around at the time, so I don't really understand the youth, ten youth tensions growing up in that period, but I think the ideas of those characters and the archetypes that they stand for are relatable across generations, and I think that they... I've, I know people like Bender. I know people like Emilio Estevez. I know people like Claire. I know all of those characters in real life, not to that degree of 80s, but like I know those archetypes, and I think it portrays them very well. Um... I think it's a great, great script. Uh, Hughes writes these characters with such authentic dialogue that you would hear. Uh, it sounds 80s, and it's authentic to the time, and I think it works really well. Um, I love Anthony Michael Hall's character, uh, Brian. It's so good. Uh, and the moment where he talks about failing shop uh, is one of the best scenes in that movie. It's heartbreaking, and you feel for that kid. Um this is the only movie I've ever liked Judd Nelson in. I think he's excellent in this movie, and I think he's been terrible in just about everything else he's ever played. Um, yeah, I think everyone in this movie is acting their asses off and doing a good job of it. So, yeah, it's one of my favorites. I'll let you yeah. go last. Uh, I yeah, think that. Hey, but you were doing so well for half, for half the show. You were doing so well. There was the pause. I'm sorry. You want to sit back in your fucking chair, please? Thank you. Um, I'm confused. Because <laughs> I don't remember when this movie started getting hate. I like this movie. Um, I don't know if it'd be my top 100, but um, the principle is kind of like 
part of my spirit animal, I think. Like, I, I, I have grounded my kids like before. I'm like, you're not doing anything for the next few Saturdays. I, I own you at this point. natural born life, Bender. Um, I understand Judd Nelson's not great. I don't think he's actually that great in this movie, but I like the dynamic between all the kids. Um, they are very stereotypical. Again, I grew up on this movie. I think Kirk grew up on this movie. Maybe that's why Kirk hates this movie. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but this movie is fine by me. I don't think it's bad. Uh, Overcoming America, I disagree with you. Um, over Deadpool, sure. Um, Kirk's going to go last, obviously. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> I you all. Uh, oh! She loves the Breakfast Club. What? Yeah. You'd be this surprised, needs, guys. This needs to be a reality show. The Holocaust uh, needs be, like, that needs to be a flipping reality. Holocaust commentary bar. track for the Breakfast Club. Yes. Um, Boatman, now it's your turn to talk. Go for it. Um. Yeah, I really love this movie. Uh, I think it's fantastically written. I think it's fantastically acted. Fantastically directed. Um, obviously the, the title song is fantastic, but, uh, I, I love the, the emotional dynamics of this movie. Uh, I think that, uh, the, the scene in which they all talk about why they were in detention, uh, is fantastic. I'm using that word a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I really like this film a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, I think this one's great. I really like this film. I think Ali Sheedy does not get enough love. I think her character's brilliant. Um, the, when they're, everyone's eating lunch and just the different, like, it just, their personality is just so, it's just it's shown through that scene. I just think it's really cool. Um, I love when they just talk at the little house and it's just them talking about what's going on, why they're here, what, what's going on with their lives, what's going to happen next, tomorrow, or, or, or when school, you know, on the week, I guess it's on weekends, but what happens after this? Like, are we going to be friends or what's going on? It's, um, it's great, uh, yeah, and I I will also partially love this movie for creating one of the best moments of movie was in last season. D- me too. Uh, did uh, <laughs> did Kathy just smash Kirk's computer? I'm curious. We'll have a development later <laughs> Thursday on the show. Um, Kirk and Kathy. This conversation's happened a lot in our house. Um, <laughs> you guys think you have it rough? Do um, I love the Breakfast Club? What? <laughs> <laughs> Feed yourself. Yeah, it'd be great. I want to see the marriage story scene. <laughs> arguing about the Breakfast Club. All right. Kathy might have to shoot And Kathy's the one that punches a hole in the wall. <laughs> Kathy punches the hole in the wall. This would be great. And you're winning. Okay. Um, go ahead, Kirk. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's left to say. Um, maybe there's a different version of Breakfast Club that I'm not watching because um, I hear things like wonderfully acted and wonderfully written and that is just mind-blowing to me um, this movie on all levels except for maybe the soundtrack the soundtrack's okay but on all filmmaking levels is after school special quality um, the acting is atrocious uh, the, the script I mean this is probably one that uh, Hughes wrote on a Saturday afternoon and didn't bother to rewrite because the story is so shallow and so vapid. Oh, we all hate our parents, blah, blah, blah. Big surprise. Uh, Judd Nelson is absolutely the worst part of this movie. 
the smoke em up Johnny said I've seen before is the worst performance in a movie maybe ever. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in a movie. It's awful. Um, awfully written, awfully. There, yeah, there's, I, I can't, like I said, other than the soundtrack, I can't think of anything good to say about this movie. And eventually, I'm going to, like I said, I'm Roddy Piper, and I'm going to get those sunglasses on your guys' faces, and you're going to see the truth about this movie sooner or later. <laughs> it's going to happen. I don't know how, I don't know when, but we're going to get there. All right. Um, okay. So that was the show this week. I think we had a lot of fun. Again, I had a blast. Um, uh, next week's going to be longer, and I'm fucking terrifying. Hopefully it's not too long. I will still, I'm going to act a shut-up role with Jake at some point. Um, Jake does talk a lot because he loves his films, but um, we need to rein him in and coho with your short 2000 stake. Um, uh, all right, so Kaboman's list this week was... Uh, you he went a little anime. He had he had Blues Brothers, which I really respected. Some more yikes. Uh, Moneyball at seventy kind of hurts a little bit, but not a bad week. Um, next is Jake. Uh, Jake, yeah, and Pulp Fiction. We can't talk about. He had Kung Pao. I'm pretty sure he's lost this the whole show. Um, not a hundred percent how it's gonna recover. Um, then we got Kirk. And in game at sixty one, I'm with Michael. We just let that bypass, and no one's jaw hit the floor. That's a little shocking for me. But he also had some that were okay. He had Anchorman and Napole- and Doctor Strange Love and Napoleon Dynamite, which I I give him some credit for. And Christmas Story. Christmas Story was plus. Um, and then we had Coho, uh, Breakfast Club, and Deadpool really hurt your list. Uh, Coming to America, quality. Then we went Sky High. Jojo, gosh, you take me on a whirlwind. I'm giving it to Kirk again this week. Kirk, uh, Kirk, uh, Kirk wins uh, overall. Fucking, um, I, why do I have to like Deadpool? Why do I have to like uh, Deadpool? Just some takes <laughs> on the other end. Uh, just beat it out. Uh, Kirk's back. Uh, Breakfast Club. It's not one of my top 100 favorite films. Breakfast Club. So I'm not like shot through the heart when he's like, "You're an idiot about liking it." But it is what it is. Uh, so uh, things have been yikes so far. I believe that's what we still have. Um, Boatman is leading the pack with the most yikes. Um, uh, with 10? 10 night yikes total. Uh, six for Coho. Uh, six for Kirk. Six for Jake. So we have a lot to still coming. Um, so Boatman overall has the best yikes list coming. So I respect his yikes. So I think he may start winning soon. Uh, but. Kirk wins this episode. Guys, join us next week. Uh, again, there was a lot of people here tonight. I really appreciate everybody in the chat. Um, you guys are hilarious or you have terrible takes. One of the two. Um, and tune in Thursday night um, for uh, Kathy and Kirk uh, uh, take wherever he lives. I don't know. Um, also, I want to say this while we still have people. Turmoil, Tag Team Turmoil is this weekend. It is on Saturday. It is ADST. We had a great team behind it. We have a lot of great teams. The winner's face concept at Mayhem at the Multiplex. It's three hours long. We put a lot of work into it. Please, Brian Michaels, I want to shout out Brian. He's not here. But shout out to Brian for um, uh, uh, editing the video for me. He did the he did the whole edit for me. Uh, came out of his retirement for editing and did an amazing job with it. So, again, please, there's a lot of great teams. I think you guys will enjoy it. And we have two great Warzone and fandom matches coming out this weekend with tournament play. So, uh, check out that. So, peace.
In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You better lawyer up, asshole. Because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. Get what you fucking deserve! Turn to your lady friend. Duncan, please return to your lady friend. No. Hasta la vista, baby.